and welcome back to another edition of the yeah guys podcast i'm your host rob and i'm joined with the usual gang here uh tony uh before we get into the recap of week 10 for college football let's hit some some news basically all michigan huh uh surprisingly we do have a couple other things that i'll hit on first before i get to all of the michigan crud but uh no surprise here. Uh, USC has fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Um, Washington absolutely had their way uh, with USC's defense once again this season. 52 points, so no surprise that he's finally moving on. No uh, no word on like who the interim coach is at the moment. I'm sure there is, but uh, they haven't released anything. Um, LSU quarterback Gene Daniels, um, he's working out and like this this week in practice but is showing just a kind of a limited role in practice um this past weekend in a, a really rough game against uh, alabama took a vicious hit from uh dallas turner um he was kind of put in concussion protocol so it looks like he he probably should be good to go they do play florida this week so it's a pretty important game for them that's kind of a big annual game for the two colleges so uh hopefully he goes um also georgia tight end brock bowers is running again in practice um kind of had that little procedure done on his ankle so looks like he uh has a possibility of playing a little bit of a role uh in georgia's upcoming game against Ole miss this saturday which is a big game um so we'll see if he gets better uh and then we'll get on to the michigan news um so first of all this happened uh this past friday uh michigan officially fired uh the Connor Stallions staff member that uh, was a part of the whole sign-stealing scandal. Um, so he's gone. Uh, the Big Ten has also um, continued its investigation, and Michigan has also said that it has documents that, quote, believes it, that it shows Rutgers, Ohio State, and Purdue to name a few of the universities have engaged in communications about the Wolverine signals in 2022. So it's like they knew about them, but didn't really make a big deal about it until now. Um, they also said that any discipline um, from the conference over the sign stealing allegations will not be expected until this coming Thursday from the NCAA. So we will see that could be as early as tomorrow, maybe by the end of the week we'll, hopefully have a little bit more clarity about what exactly they're going to punish Michigan for and how severe it is going to be. Um, as we know, uh, with the most recent um, college football playoff top 25 rankings, I'll actually hit on those real quick, that just released um, last night, uh, Tuesday, Ohio State still at number one. A little bit of a shaky uh, win um, at Rutgers, but still kind of pulled away there at the end. Georgia, number two. Michigan, number three, with their dominating win against a pretty mediocre Purdue. Uh, Florida State, number four. Washington, number five. Oregon, six. Seven, Texas. Eight, Alabama. Nine, Old Miss. Ten, uh, and ten, Penn State. Also, 11th is Aram. Your, uh, your little buddies from Louisville, so they're really uh, climbing up the charts. But, uh, yeah, that's really all I got for the college football. Perfect. Yeah, that Michigan scandal is going to be something that's going to last until the end of the season. So get used to it. You love to hear and hear in it, especially on this podcast. You're a lot to report on. But 
Um, yeah, we can just go down the list real quick. And Josh, the first game that I see on this slate on this week 10, I think it's always going to be Notre Dame for some reason. I think I have the favorite on ESPN, but if it's a Notre Dame Clemson game, um, 31 to 23 Clemson defeats Notre Dame at home. Josh, I know, uh, you went to this game. I think maybe, um, we should send it over to you if you have any thoughts on the game real quick. Yeah, I know I joked last week, but I, I mean, I joked, but I was serious. I I bet real money on Notre Dame because I just had real <laughs> faith in Clemson. So I'm I'm happy yeah. to be wrong. Um, the the Clemson defense. I mean, like they look like they could be a top ten defense in the country. It was insane. And uh, side note, in a weird way, I think this win shows how hard it can be to win in Death Valley, which to an extent, makes the Florida State overtime win that much more impressive. Um, but yeah, dude, the Clemson defense absolutely played out of their minds to the point that late in the game, they would just run the ball three straight times, fourth down, we don't care, we'll punt it back to you. We trust our defense. So the defense held up through and through, I would say, and they kind of gashed us on a couple runs early, and I think once they contained the running game, uh, Sam Hartman looked very uncomfortable passing in the pocket. Uh, and, and that's when I gained some confidence in the defense because I knew if we could contain the run and hold them or limit them to third longs, like I didn't think they were going to have much of a chance of generating explosive plays in the air. And for the most part, I don't think they, they really did. Uh, they finished the game with 183 rushing yards, 146 receiving. So, yeah, so more rushing than receiving there. Um, and uh, like I said, I think Sam Harmon just looked uncomfortable in the pocket. No touchdown passes, two interceptions. Granted, I know one of those did come late in the game. Um, but yeah, I think like defense and special teams was the name of the game. I think the uh, Aiden Swanson, the Clemson punter, might have been the MVP. Uh, he had six punts. For 265 yards, so he was averaging 44 yards per punt. Uh, he downed five of six inside the 20-yard line. Ooh. And we also, I think we finally won the turnover battle for what feels like the first time all season. Uh, they had the muff punt that they recovered, a couple interceptions, and it, it felt like, uh, like I said, defense and special teams did their thing. Um as far as the Clemson offense goes, uh, in a weird way, kind of similar to Notre Dame, where we couldn't generate a ton in the air. Uh, and not all of that was on Cade. I think we had a couple drop passes, uh, maybe a few questionable play calls, uh, or a receiver's just not creating separation. But I think the the offensive story was Phil Maffa. So, uh, Will Shipley was out. Granted, Clemson had six starters out. I think four on the defensive side. Uh, plus Shipley and an O-lineman or two. So I was really worried heading into this game, especially without Shipley. We have to go with Phil Maffa, who arguably looks like the better running back at this point. I mean, he had 36 carries for 186 yards and two touchdowns. Now, that's an average of five per carry. That's accounting for the fact that in the fourth quarter, they were handing it to him straight up the middle three times in a row, and that definitely tanked his average a little bit. But 
Moffat just absolutely dominated. And I think he's he's more of like a patient runner where he not like full Le'Veon Bell, but like he waits in the backfield like a half a second for a hole to develop and then he takes off. Whereas Will Shipley feels like he's gonna run hundred miles an hour straight into the the left cheek of his own right right guard, you know? Like he's gonna like he's he's flying out of the backfield, but he's just hitting the hole hard and not necessarily waiting for the hole to develop in a way. Um and Shipley is a better receiving back. I will give him credit there, but I think from the offensive side, it was it was the Phil Moffa story. And I really thought that Clemson would have a chance to pull away. I thought that, uh, that like, I thought they could get a little more aggressive with their play calls. They ended up going uber conservative, which was frustrating because we couldn't put them away, and we kept having to rely on our defense. And keep thinking like, well, hopefully they keep holding up, and they did. But it was a little frustrating that they couldn't put them away. We're driving under two minutes or under three minutes, something like that. We have a fumble. Notre Dame recovers. It's like, oh, boy, here we go again with the turnover issues. Um, and so I think that would be the biggest knock I have on the game, that we didn't really put them away. We went up by two scores at one point, and then uh, I think they had like a tip ball, uh, interception, return to the one-yard line. All of a sudden, it's a one-possession game, and – like I said, we couldn't really pull away. So I think that was a little frustrating, the conservative play calling, uh, when I felt like we could have really dug it to them. But, I mean, it's hard to be upset about a, a win like that. And uh, as as Dabo says, if, if you're going to buy buy stock in Clemson, now's, now's the time I get. So it's a good win. It really helps our chances of making a bowl game. We need to win one of the last three. Uh, fortunately, the next two are both at home. So uh, I think uh, it's a huge win, uh, hopefully a momentum builder. Um, and But at this point, like we're still kind of just fighting for a bowl game, beat our rivals. Uh, but it's it's definitely a huge win coming off of a, a tough loss. Uh, well, a win at NC State, but two tough losses right there before that with uh, Miami. And uh, so... Overall, uh, I think young team hopefully trended in the right direction. Uh, still want to see a little bit more to prove it wasn't a fluke, but happy with the way that the team team played this weekend. Yeah, perfect. And how was the crowd, Josh? You said uh, maybe maybe not a lot of fans uh, show up this weekend. I, I was didn't think so- there would be, um, just because it felt like the Clemson program was trending downward, I would say. I don't know that it was a sellout, but it was definitely a, a very crowded venue. I'll say that. And Notre Dame, props to them. I think they had a lot of fans travel as well. And in general, I think their fans were actually pretty nice overall. So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, I think it was actually a, a pretty pretty solid home game. Yeah, that's that's some good stuff. And Jeremiah Schroeder Jr. for me, he was popping off all game, and I was I was impressed with that kid. And he he made my top, uh, I think, fifty um, for uh, on my draft board for this upcoming off season. So uh, definitely a name to keep out, uh, to, to keep a lookout for. But um, yeah, the rest of the schedule really um, not a lot of surprises. We have Georgia taking down Missouri, thirty to twenty one. It was close at one point, but uh, they um, uh, 
take it away in the fourth quarter. But then we have Washington at USC. Whenever you're playing USC, you know that it's going to be a barn burner. Uh, it ended up being a barn burner. 52 um, to 42, Washington gets the win. An impressive win on the road, um, nonetheless. So a uh, good win for Washington as they are continuing their top five um, in the nation season um, over there. So that's good for them. And then Texas uh, in overtime defeating Kansas State, who came back in the second half and made it really a game. And it was getting scary at the in overtime and in, in the fourth quarter. Maybe Kansas State had a chance to take it, but um, they weren't able to capitalize on some plays. And Texas was able to to get the win uh, in overtime, but the defensive stop. Um, and then Bama continuing their success in the SEC. I think they started, they're uh, undefeated in the SEC this year, 42-28 to 28 against LSU. Oklahoma State, um, they get the win over Oklahoma, 27-24. to 24. Um, and I think that's really, um, looking down the schedule. Oh yeah. UCLA, they get upset by Arizona. Arizona has been on the break the last couple of weeks, uh, with potential upsets, but they actually get it done this week, um, against UCLA, who doesn't look that good anymore, to be honest. Um, 27 to 10 there. Uh, Tony, what are your final thoughts on the week? Uh, certainly, uh, I'll start with the Kansas, Texas. I think we all kind of thought that Three and two kind of earlier this year, Kansas State was kind of a little bit like, eh, but you didn't kind of mention the last couple of weeks around that they were kind of trending up and they put on one hell of a performance uh, against Texas and almost found a way to get it done. Um, I got to give props to Missouri for going on the road and really making that a good kind of gritty game, really making Texas or uh, Texas, Georgia uh, really fight for that one. Um, trying to find their tight end, uh, Oscar Delk, who's been the Tight end in place for uh, Brock Bowers had a big touchdown in that game, um, and he looked really, really good for them. You mentioned Oklahoma State kind of hands Oklahoma their second straight loss. Uh, that is the last Bedlam scheduled game uh, to this date, obviously with Oklahoma going to the SEC. So we'll have to see if that ever becomes a matchup again. But uh, Oklahoma State has bragging rights until the next game, so that's kind of funny there. Um, also Kansas went on the road and beat Iowa state. I want to give some props. We, uh, we kind of clowned on uh, a couple weeks ago, Jason Bean, uh, being their quarterback, he threw for 287. Uh, so buddy had a, a really good day. Um, also to hit on a little note about the Washington USC game. I was looking at the stats, Michael Penix threw for 256 and their running back Dylan Johnson ran for 256. So that is a winning formula. <laughs> There's over 500 yards of offense with those two guys. That is insane. Um, and then, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna hit on Arizona as well. On paper, they have the same record as UCLA, so people have been saying UCLA was pretty solid. Now you might have to take Arizona a little bit more seriously at six and three now. Um, and I think that was all I, yeah, that was all I wanted to hit on. So, yeah, that was it's a good, good week. Yeah, um, Josh, before I get to you real quick, I wanted to hit on that um, Michael Pettix versus Caleb Williams games. I mean, I mean, first of all, two great quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that you'll, that you'll see tabled uh, this offseason, um, especially if you think about Pettix, uh, you don't think of a guy that could outperform a guy like Caleb Williams, but it happened. I mean, this and this entire season, Michael Pettix has showed a lot of accuracy uh, as a pocket passer, not a, not a, a mobile guy because of his injury history, maybe uh, a guy that can be mobile when he wants to, but a uh, guy that's really, really accurate. So um, you, you kind of look at the Caleb Williams side, a, a playmaker as a quarterback, but then you look at 
Penix is Penix the better quarterback coming out of college here? I, I don't know. Um, a lot of disappointment from Caleb Williams sometimes this season with his turnover. I think he leads um, college football with uh, with fumbles. I'm pretty sure or turnover something like that. I think he's fumbled the most uh, out of any quarterback uh, in college football. So uh, a lot of a lot of mistakes from Caleb Williams, but that he has that ability to make those insane looking plays. But Michael Penix, he's an all around quarterback to me as a thrower. Um, so just wanted to uh, compare that game since Tony just got done talking about it. Josh, uh, do you have any thoughts on this week? Uh, yeah, just like a quick couple of games. Um, number one for me, two and six Army ending Air Force's undefeated season. Uh, that one's kind of unfortunate. I feel like it's always pretty cool to see a service academy rank, you know, so uh, kind of unfortunate for them. Um, you hit on the... Uh, Texas game with that uh, Kansas State comeback, 16 points in the fourth quarter. I remember seeing a score, and you're like, oh, they're up 27-14 and going into the fourth. Like, yeah, this is kind of what I figured Texas would do. And then Kansas State kind of rallied there towards the end. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't have enough to pull it out there in, in overtime. Um, I told some of my friends as we were watching, watching uh, Washington versus USC, I was like, this feels like, the winner is your Heisman win. That's what I felt like it in a weird way. Uh, maybe not a weird way, but to me, it reminded me somewhat of like the, well, probably not the best comparison, but it reminded me of like the Lamar versus the 2016 Louisville versus Clemson game, except, uh, Clemson won and Lamar still won the Heisman. I think, uh, so that's right. Like, Similar, but not identical. Uh, that game was like typical Pac-12 football to me, dude. It was 28 to 30-something at halftime or whatever it was. And, bro, the, the the total score was 94. You could have set the over-under at 90, and you would have taken the over to win. And that's just absurd. To me. And then all the other one, Colorado drops another one to uh, Oregon State. Uh, I think if I think not nails not in the coffin, but I think we've we've came back to reality with this team at this point. So, and I think Shador Sanders is still doing pretty well given the offensive line struggles. I mean, he he was twenty four of thirty nine for two forty five with two touchdowns. So, I think he's doing all right. Um, I actually heard that their offense got worse since they switched play callers or something like that. But, uh. I don't know. I think we're finally back to back to reality with them. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I don't think it gets any more disappointing uh, than the Sooners' defense. I mean, they they played so well. I think Tony, you mentioned how well they were playing earlier in the year, and then they kind of the last couple of weeks they kind of stunk it up, man. Um, on the road against Oklahoma State, technically on the road, but um, I think they called this game Edlam. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, yeah, it's just not a, not a good performance defensively for them, just allowing a lot of explosive plays, um, from Oklahoma state. So if you're Oklahoma, I don't really know where you sit at this point. Cause you had, you had it in your hands. You were undefeated six to no, seven to no, something like that. And in the last two weeks kind of just poo pooed it away. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all I had in plus Bama continuing their impressive season. Um, they're just. I don't, know, I don't know. Their quarterback is playing well. Jalen Milrow, he's playing awesome. Um, and just as a team, they look almost unstoppable. But then I'm not sure if they're going to be better than those top five teams uh, right now. But 
But yeah, that's going to do it for our reactions. We'll head right into uh, week 11. Uh-oh, season's almost over. Um, no, I'll start with... <laughs> we will start with... Um, uh, finally, we have a game where Michigan, you know, might be up for some competition here. We have Penn State hosting. Uh, this could be an early Saturday game. Penn State, 10th ranked, is going to be hosting a third ranked Michigan, Tony. And right now, Michigan on the road is favored to win by four and a half. Oof. I'm going to, I'm going to take Penn State at home, uh, plus four and a half. Uh, Drew Allar, Penn State's quarterback, 20 touchdowns, one interception. We like to talk about JJ McCarthy getting a lot of Heisman hope or hype, I guess. And Drew, again, Penn State has not played a super great schedule, so I don't want to act like, you know, dude is putting up amazing numbers against great talent. But 20 touchdowns to one interception ratio, really, really good. So I'll take Penn State. How about you, Josh? Um, right there with you. I think you can argue that neither of these teams have really played the toughest of schedules. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the home underdog in this one. I could see this being like a field goal game at Michigan still winning. Uh, but I, I like go, I like Penn State to cover the four and a half. Yeah, as much as I don't like to say it uh, with what, what's going on right now with the scandal, all that kind of sh- stuff, um, I'll take Michigan um, on the road. I think they're just a really good team. So hey, we'll see if maybe if they don't have guys on the sideline, maybe maybe the other team will have the number, but I'll take Michigan. Barco, who you got? Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Yeah. I think I'll take Michigan as well. I don't as as much as I hate to pick them. They're just like you said. They're just a good team, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, moving on, we have 18th ranked Utah. They're still kicking at seven and two. They're going to be on the road. It's not going to get easy for them. They're going to be on the road facing a fifth ranked Washington nine and zero right now in their season. And right now it's only nine and a half um, for Washington at home. Good week for Utah. Uh, Bryson Barnes coming off a career high four touchdowns against Arizona State. It is Arizona State, uh, but I think I'll take Washington uh, with the with, with the points at home. How about you, Josh? This one's kind of tricky for me. I mean, like I know it's like you said, it's Arizona State, but man, they just beat another powered by team, fifty-five to three. Like that's sure. coming off of a pretty high performance there, and so like. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna take Utah to cover here. Like I, I expect Washington to win. Um, but like ten points, pretty big. I'm. I'm gonna take Utah. I don't love this, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna take Utah in this one. I can see where you come from, Josh. They have a good defense, but man, I don't know if their offense can keep up. I think Washington is going to put up points, and I think it's going to be like the Oregon game all over again for them. Uh, I'm going to take Washington at home. Barker, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Washington as well. I think they're just kind of flying right now. They definitely are. Um, we will go over to Missouri, 14th-ranked Missouri. I have the rankings wrong on my spreadsheet. Um, they are going to be hosting 13th-ranked Tennessee, so it's 13 versus 14. 14 is going to be the home team, and but... Tony, Tennessee on the road, they're getting one. I think, um, I think I'll take, it might sound, I don't know. I, I'll take Tennessee on the road. I, I, I want to trust Missouri, but I, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, this, you know, two losses now, again, still a really, really good team, but I think Tennessee might be a little bit more uh, juiced up for this one. So I'll take Tennessee on the road. Um, yeah. right there with you. I'm taking Tennessee here. Oh man, I, I don't know about this one. This is basically a pick em. It is. I, you know, I think the home crowd brings it. I'm going to take Missouri. Why not? Parker, we got. 
I'm gonna roll with uh, Mizzou as well. Ooh, so we have okay. a guy split. I like it. Um, moving on. I'm catching up here. Uh, moving on, we will go to uh, Georgia. They're going to be hosting Ole Miss. i got to get it up here. Okay, Georgia, second-ranked, hosting ninth-ranked Ole Miss right now. Tony, 10.5 for, for Georgia at home. Who you got? Oof. Um, again, I'm going to go a little crazy here, but I think I'll take Georgia with the points at home. Um, Last week, a little bit of a lack. I mean, they, you know, they still scored 30 points, and that's not something to say, oh, you know, that's a bad performance, but you just expect a little bit more of a, a win kind of total, I guess. Uh, or, yeah, you win by more points than that. Uh, so I'll take Georgia at home minus nine and a half. Ten and a half, excuse me. How about you, Josh? Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to take Georgia in this one. Uh, similar to my Utah logic where they like, weigh in heavily into the previous week. It, I mean, Ole Miss only beat A&M by three, right? In a shootout, so... Uh, I'm I'm gonna take Georgia minus ten in this one minus ten. Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in all this, um, and I don't expect them to put up really a fight. But it'll be cool if they do. Uh, I'm taking Georgia though, Parker. We got. Yep, Georgia as well. That's right, so yeah, guys. We, um, you know, before we hit the last game, I will go over last week's picks. Uh, me yeah. and you, Josh, we both had four leading the week, and Tony and Parker. Down there with two, so um, I, I did do the calculating. I didn't do. I, I, I calculated the total so far, and it's a close race. I can tell you. I can tell you that we're all in the same vicinity. So it's not like one guy's running away with it, especially the NFL too. So get these picks right and picks right, gentlemen. Uh, it's coming down on the wire, um, but we will pick this last game for the week. USC, they're no longer rated. Let's go. They don't deserve to be seven and three on the road. It's not getting any easier in Oregon. Uh, it's sixth rate Oregon. They're going to be favored by 15 points at home, Tony. Man, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, Oregon by 15. I, I, it's just, it's such a huge point spread, but it's just, you have, like, it's so hard to have any faith in that defensive group. Even with maybe a new head coach or like a new coach, an interim coach this week, I just, so I'll take Oregon. How about you, Josh? I'm right there with you, dude. Like, yeah, like I just I I don't trust USC's defense. I can't I can't you know, right? Like I, like I get that Washington's a good team, a good offense, but you can't just get into shootouts and trust that you can win them every time. Like not against good teams. So it and it is a lot of points. I feel like Oregon's defense is capable of making enough stops to cover, and at home, I think I'm gonna take. Oregon minus 16 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked up the stat. I looked up where USC was ranked defensively in college football. And out of, I don't even know how many teams are in this page, 133 college football teams, USC is ranked 124th in total offense. Oh, boy. I. <laughs> There's no way you can convince me to take USC here. I don't care who you have, a quarterback, whatever. I'm taking Oregon. Part who you got? Yeah, definitely going to take Oregon as well. Man, that, what what a fall from grace uh, that game has become. That's just kind of crazy. But um, okay, that is going to do it for college football. 
Uh, how many weeks do we have for college football? I did not check. I closed the app. So uh, we are moving on to the NFL side. We will go into week nine before our week 10 thrilling Thursday night game. We will head to the last week's uh, Thursday night game where the Steelers took down the Titans. Something notable, Deontay Johnson falling into the end zone for the first time in 300-some days or games, something like that. Um, it's been a long time since he's fallen into the end zone, so uh, good for him um, for getting a touchdown, and the Steelers move to 5-3. and three. Um, Josh, we will stop in Germany uh, where the Dolphins unfortunately go down to the Chiefs 21-14. to 14. They did end up making a, a little bit of a comeback there in the third quarter, but uh, the Chiefs were able to close things out, uh, winning 21-14. to 14. Yeah, man, it's another frustrating loss against a good team because it's like, here we go again. The narrative that we can't beat good teams. And it's, we're sticking with it. Again, I'm not too frustrated. We lost to teams that were both, like two of the teams we lost to were on deep playoff runs last year. The others, arguably the best team in our division with the Bills. And so I'm not, like the sky's not falling just yet, but it is frustrating. I feel like we wasted a pretty good defensive performance holding the Kansas City offense to 14 points. But then our offense continues to be the issue in these big games against tougher competition. Uh, And it just feels like they couldn't get in a rhythm. And a lot of the same issues surfacing here, which is what's frustrating. Penalties not getting the flag calls in all the time. Like, just little things, it feels like. And it's it's frustrating to see from the offense. Um, and, and, again, I'm not too terribly upset because, like, we were actually driving down the field fairly well, and Tyreek Hill fumbled. The Chiefs defense made a phenomenal play with the lateral, and their defense scored, and it took a – defensive touchdown to make the difference because both offenses scored 14 points so i'm again i'm not terribly upset but it's just it continues to be frustrating and it to me i personally felt within like the first or second quarter like early passing game the rhythm isn't there for whatever reason and I was getting shades of the Patriots game where, like, the outside zone running isn't really working. Passing game's not there. And so they kind of switched to, like, inside zone. And it they had some success with it. And so I was getting, like, shades of the Patriots game the first time we played them. And sure enough, like, halfway into the fourth quarter, they finally start breaking out a couple inside zone runs. And they break a couple. And it's like, oh, here we go. And then... By that time, it was, I think, too late. Some people I saw were upset that we abandoned the run. Like I'm like, dude, we had two timeouts and under two minutes. Like, I don't think we could afford to run the ball every time while we're trying to drop the field. So, I think that was kind of frustrating because it, it felt like I'm watching as a fan and I could figure something out in the first half that – our coaching staff couldn't for, you know, three or four quarters. Um, again, I, I think the defense did as much as you could ask for. I think Travis Kelsey had like three catches for 14 yards. I don't think any Chiefs receiver had more than uh, 
three catches. So I feel like we limited them about as good as you could hope for. And like early in the season, you're looking at the Dolphins offense and you're like, oh, if, if the other team can't put up 30 a game, they're not going to be able to hang with the Dolphins offense. But here we are, you know, where the Dolphins offense can't get going. So uh, it's frustrating again. I'm not super worked up about it. We have we have to sit on it for the bye week, which kind of stinks. Uh, we don't really get like a quick chance at redemption, but I'm I'm still optimistic. Uh, I think we have a lot of winnable games going forward, and I think the whole narrative of like we don't beat good teams, I I think it's a bit overblown personally. Like the like the Chargers were zero and zero when we played them, right? They win one or two more games in the coming weeks, and all of a sudden they have a winning record. It's like, does the narrative suddenly change that we can't beat good teams with a winning record? Like, I don't know. I, and so, I, I think it'll be fine uh, as long as as long as they can figure it out and uh, come playoffs if we can make it. That's pretty much all I'm hoping for. Yeah, Josh, just watching the game, to be honest, I thought it was a great defensive performance. I know if you minus those two touchdown drives they had, you're thinking of, you know, like a masterful defensive performance. But obviously those two touchdown drives stayed it, but I thought their front four was an issue, man. They were disrupting almost everything the Chiefs were trying to do with Kelsey, with uh, Pacheco, who hasn't had um, – the greatest couple of weeks, I think the, the Dolphins did a really good job of, you know, containing their weapons. Just unfortunate they weren't able to get going on offense. But um, we will move on to the um, Sunday games. We'll start with the Vikings uh, on the road. Man, oh man, 31 to 28 over the Falcons. Um, if you were just to show me the final score um, and tell me that we would be without our starting left tackle, Christian Derrissaw, um, and you would have told me that A.J. Osborne would have gotten knocked out of the game. Um, Cam Akers would have been knocked out of the game. T.J. Hawkinson is squeaming after every single hit he's taking. Uh, oh, and you lose your starting quarterback. Um, and you, you would have told me that we would have won the game. I would have told you you're insane, uh, first of all. Um, so that's that's kind of where I wanted to start with this game. With all that happened with the offense, losing your starting quarterback, losing some weapons dealing with a banged-up tight end, dealing with your left tackle not being there, dealing with Cam Akers, who is now out for the year, and I don't know if he's going to play another staff of football, uh, to his other Achilles being popped. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how we were able to put this performance together. Um, well, we'll start with Josh Dobbs, the third-string quarterback, a guy that comes in on a Wednesday. I know we've all seen story and all that kind of stuff. Comes in on Wednesday, does a little playbook, all, the, all, the, all that kind of stuff, and then he gets the call, gets the nod after Jared Hall, who led a couple of, well, the first drive he led um, started as a three and out. Um, but the second drive he led was a impressive drive. It was a long, um, I think it was a 75 to 80 yard drive. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was um, that he led down to the red zone where um, he was making good reads. He was good in the pocket. He had his internal clock, um, you know, workable. I talked about it, the, the internal clock. That rookies need to have they need to adjust to to the NFL and I thought he did a good job of either making the throw um or in this instance where he got hurt you know running uh which I think he's really good at um he did a really good job of making that decision to hey let's run um and he did he got out of the pocket 
and then he made the mistake of not sliding. We've seen this many times before where young quarterbacks don't slide and they just don't last in the NFL. And we're seeing this with guys like Anthony Richardson. Um, we saw it a lot with other younger quarterbacks as well in the past. Uh, they don't learn how to slide. So um, Jaron Hall, he didn't slide and he got knocked out of the game. And in comes Joshua Dobbs, our technical, technically third string quarterback uh, acquired from the Cardinals. Uh, coming in, starting with Josh Dobbs, I mean, he made a lot of mistakes. Um, his internal clock was crap. He wasn't getting rid of the ball. He was holding on to the ball for too long, uh, fumbling. Um, I think there was a play where he fumbled the ball right into one of the Falcons' guys' hands. Um, it, it was just a mess. And at, at halftime, I was basically, you know, searching for, for answers. You know, like, well, what's, what's going to happen? I mean, we can't keep going with Dom. This is just a joke. Uh, but we didn't have any other options because starting quarterback was knocked out. Um, but then in the second half, he goes from making bad mistakes to making plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, escaping pressure, managing the pocket, and making throws, um, all of this being in a timely manner, too. Um, he did a great job. I haven't seen my quarterback in my 26 years of living run like he did um, against the Falcons, and it was it was fun to see, especially that last drive where he was able to uh, take the team down, um, convert third downs with it. I think fourth downs with it. He converted a really, really long fourth down with his legs um, and then eventually pounded it in with sort of Brandon Powell. Um, and a couple of drives before that, he extended um, a third down near the red zone um, with his legs and then got a, a touchdown a couple plays after that as well. So um, a mobile quarterback doing well in the system. Looky, looky here. Um, yeah, just a lot of credit needs to go to Josh Dobbs, but I think the majority of it should be going to these coaches, starting with Kevin O'Connell getting his quarterback prepared, um, reading things about how Kevin O'Connell was basically translating these plays to Josh Dobbs, who doesn't have a single clue what the system is all about. He might know, you know, the name of the play or what the play is called, but he doesn't know the ins and outs of what, um, his players are doing for the most part. So credit to Kevin O'Connell to literally translate the entire playbook to him while he's calling the play in the huddle um, and for Dobbs to make those plays as well. So um, just a big win for these coaches, especially Kevin O'Connell. Um, that was the offensive side. But the defensive side, you know, pretty good. Um, I'm very happy with the, the results of playing aggressive. Um, creating turnovers, affecting quarterbacks, their vision with the pressures and, you know, forcing them to make um, mistakes, which is happening. And I've said it all year, we live and die by the blitz. Um, we we died. We that had a moment where we got killed. Uh, John o. Smith took the screen pass all the way for a touchdown. I think it was like 50 to 60 yards. Um, but other than that, the blitzing actually came into fruition. We were able to uh, get an interception. I think we got a sack or two, but overall, Really, really happy with the um, defense performance. Just a total 360 um, from last year. And with Kai Blackman, and something real quick on him, he didn't uh, allow a catch and I've been kind of tracking. He's been having a really good rookie season. But uh, yeah, good performance from the defense. They're well coached. They're buying into the system. Um, kind of everything I'm, I, I could really ask for in the defense uh, compared to what I saw last year. So um yeah, we ended up winning this game. I, I don't really know how. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's the Josh Dobbs show for now until 
Jared Hall comes back. I don't know if we start him. If he does get healthy, that's the biggest question. But um, this is a well-coached team. Uh, and Josh Dobbs is probably going to be taking the, the the reins for the quarterback position for the team. So we'll see how far um, that can take him. I, I don't think I have anything else on this game. Just an incredible thing to watch. But um, moving on, we have a shutout. The, Brown, the Browns uh, taking down the Cardinals 27-0. to Josh Dobbs, former team. Yikes. Um, then we have the Packers taking down the Rams 20-3 to at home. We have the Commies taking down the Patriots, uh, fancy enough, 20-17 to on the road. And then, Parker, we will stop with the game uh, in Nolens, 24-17, to the Saints. Nolens. Nolens. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Bob, let's talk about this game here. Um, for you audio listeners, he's wearing a plastic bag. My plastic paper bag. One of the worst uh, games that I've ever watched uh, in my life. Um, I, I mean, I can just keep saying it week after week after week about how this team is is just the the worst. They're the shittiest. They're the the worst coach team I've ever seen. Offensively. Is, is the worst thing ever. No time to block. The The defense looked okay, but when you factor in that uh, the Saints are just one of the more inept offenses in the league, it doesn't look too impressive uh, from a defensive standpoint. But uh, when you turn the ball over 10, or, uh, 10 times, it felt like 10 times, five times in a game uh, and, and only lose by seven points, I, I feel like that's almost incredible. Uh, in its own right, but uh, um, the Saints at the end of the game, I, they ran 22 straight plays in the Bears' uh, um, side of the field, and they only managed to get three points out of that. And the Bears had numerous options and numerous um, opportunities to to come back and, and, and tie this game up, and they just blew it every single time. Uh, fumblings, uh, throwing interceptions. DJ Moore had one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, it's just is it's very uh, shocking to see uh, that our GM and, and our coach are still so confident after every single game, uh, being two and six, uh, looking so pathetic as they do, uh, being so confident in, in walking in front of the media. And, you know, that'll... Uh, Transfer, uh, transfer me to the next uh, point I'm going to make about uh, this team and, and the coaching and how uh, when they, they talk to the media, they constantly lie and they, they constantly deceive and they, and they don't tell the truth. Um, today, when Matt Eberflus was giving a press conference, uh, he and a reporter went back and forth, literally back and forth, about uh, wording upon Justin Fields if he's going to be playing or if he's out. And uh, they said, um, they actually uh, came out and said that he's doubtful, but then they said that he was out, ruled out later. And when they were asking him, is he doubtful or is he out? Because those are two different things. Uh, he kept saying, well, he's doubtful. Well, he's doubtful but he's not going to play, right? No, he's not going to play. Tyson Benjamin is going to start. But he's doubtful? Yeah, he's doubtful. So I just don't understand uh, what this coaching staff is trying to do, uh, what they're trying to see. Um, 
there's really nothing. And then this game coming up this week, uh, I hope no one watches. I really do. I hope that no Bears fans give any money to this organization. I hope that some kind of scandal breaks out within this organization and they have to forfeit their two picks this year because I don't I don't know what else would would help this this team uh you know any more than just to be shook to to rock bottom and, and, and have to get rid of everyone and everything. Uh and you know, oh Montez Sweat had one pressure on the quarterback, but uh, you know, pressures aren't sacks, they're just pressures. Uh they're not getting the ball out of his hands, they're not uh getting him down to the ground. They're not even hitting him. So uh, a pressure could be, you know, a variety of things. But, um, uh, you know, I was I was watching Alex Brown talk about it. He said, you know, back in the day, they never talked about pressures. And uh, he would he said because they're not, you know, they're not sacks. So uh, they're kind of, a, you know, do they really matter kind of stat? I mean, maybe. But if the quarterback's completing the passes, then, you know, what good is the pressure? And, you know, they, they managed to do that multiple times against his defense and yeah so like i said i hope nothing but the worst for this team and uh moving forward so that's pretty much all i got hmm. thank you very much burger we will move on uh we have the ravens taken down the seahawks by a score of 37 to 3 if you combine that ravens game um versus the seahawks uh, and then the ravens game versus the lions that's a pretty uh nifty score you got there especially with the ravens playing at home uh, as well as they are uh, moving on, we have the Texans outdueling the Buccaneers. I have my thoughts on that one. 39 to 37, the Texans get the win. Uh, I think CJ Stroud broke the record for passing guys for a rookie quarterback. I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, yeah, moving on, we have the Colts taking uh, taking down the Panthers 27 to 13. The Panthers have a quick uh, turnaround here this Thursday. Um, and the Raiders with their new head coach um, get a win against the Giants, the lonely, lonely Giants, 30 to 6. They lose uh, Daniel Jones to a serious knee injury. Uh, the Giants do. So moving on to the NC East uh, division collision, we have the Eagles taking this one and moving to 8-1, and the one, um, 28-23. And then, Tony, your Bengals, they are looking as good as ever, taking down the Bills 24-18. to Yes. Also, before I uh, get into this, I just want to make a quick little... Uh, I'm a little suspicious, or uh, superstitious, I should say. Uh, not suspicious. Uh, so there are three losses... I have worn Bengals clothing, whether it's socks or a t-shirt. In the five times that they've won, I have not worn a single Bengals item. So I don't think I'm going to be wearing any Bengals uh, clothing for the rest of the season um, just because of superstitious. I mean, 5-0. Time to go shirtless for the pods, buddy. Absolutely. You know, uh, I'm just... <laughs> But uh, anyways, yeah, so huge game uh, Sunday night against the Bills. Uh, really cool looking uh, stadium with the black and orange uh, stripes in the crowd. That was really, really cool. Um, Aram, we were kind of talking in the group chat kind of at the end of the, the night where in a, a healthy bro just really makes that uh, that offense look really, really great. Brian Callahan making some really good calls. Um, and then also uh, defensively just did a really, really good job. Um, I think we only got one sack on the night, but we forced a lot of pressure, forced a lot of bad throws. Um, I think um, Josh Allen threw for over 250 yards, but there was times where he looked kind of iffy. Um, we did get a couple fortuitous uh, calls that weren't called against us um, defensively, but um, another masterful, masterful performance 
by uh, Cameron Taylor Britt. Uh, one reception allowed uh, on three targets um, and an interception there in the first half. Also, Jermaine Pratt coming up with another huge uh, turnover. Um, this was kind of early in the fourth quarter. Um, the Bills were driving, I think, inside the 15-yard line, and they got a huge uh, turnover there. So that was really, really good. Um, started the game off really, really well offensively. I think we got two touchdowns, our first two drives. Um, and then also, uh, despite giving up the, uh, the late touchdown there, um, and the two point conversion, um, we did, uh, we were able to salt the rest of the game out. So really, really good job by everybody. Um, again, really, really nice to see Burrow kind of healthy again and be able to really extend plays. We kind of didn't really see that early in the season because of that calf issue. But um, again, you know, 348, almost 350 yards, two touchdowns, um, 44 pass attempts. Uh, that kind of almost reminds me of the first couple of weeks when we really didn't run the ball very much, but um, it was enough to get the win. Um, I thought uh, Joe Mixon did have like a decent night. He had a couple of really good runs. Um, did only have, I think, or yeah, did have only 37 yards rushing, but did get the touchdown. Um, and T. Higgins, uh, this was his game for sure. Um, he had kind of been meaning to to kind of explode for a game, and this was definitely that. So 110 yards receiving, got the touchdown catch, and uh, another win. So I'll take it. Yeah, the Bengals looking looking really really good, um, and the Jets looking really really bad. Um, they lose to the Chargers. Yeah, ooh, is right. Uh, 27 to six. The Chargers take down the Jets, um, and you know. Tony, let's uh, stick with you uh, for any any reactions to this uh, week nine in the NFL. Mm. I thought the Colts' defense played really, really well. I think they suffocated that Panthers' offense. Also, um, definitely got to work on that offense. Uh, the Colts really, if it wasn't for a pick six, it really could have come down to like the last drive. Uh, their offense, I feel like, needs to do a little bit more. Um, I guess I'll hit on them. Just I, I know we we can all kind of chime in if we have a feeling about it but also just cj stroud i mean I, I love that guy man he's uh he's really really awesome from Ohio state uh 475 touchdowns him and baker dueled um baker put on a hell of a performance as well i want to shout him out because i mean he was less than 50 seconds away from a really great um fourth quarter road win unfortunately cj said uh no 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 you left me too much time um, again, yeah, the Ravens put together a spectacular defensive performance. Um, the Seahawks had their chances and then just never really, I think we kind of talked about it too. DK just did not make much of an impact at all. <laughs> Funny. Uh, yeah, the, the bears definitely got to, um, improve. I know Parker already kind of made that mention and, uh, Will Levis made a valiant effort. Um, kind of Cardinal sin there though, at the end of the game, throwing a costly pick. Um, Josh kind of called it, uh, got to throw it in the end zone and, uh, threw it in the bad spot. So, uh, that's really my thoughts. Do you have any thoughts, Josh? Yeah. That Will Levis interception. I remember talking about it because he basically made the same mistake twice in a row. He threw it over the middle of the field in a time crunch situation and it was nearly picked off. And then he proceeds to do the exact same thing like a play or two later. And it gets picked up. So uh, that was unfortunate. I mean, truthfully, I kind of expected him to struggle. That Steelers defense is no joke. But the uh, the trend continues with 
the Steelers, uh, I don't know how many games it's been now where offensively they fail to get 400 yards, but they win the game. I think they were like 33 and 20-something with like maybe a tie or two in there. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the way things have been going for them for a while. Um, the Ravens could not have predicted this. I'm pretty sure I took the Seahawks points, which I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, like the Ravens, the Ravens, like I follow Brett Coleman and he keeps talking about how this is like a dark horse team. Like if they, if they figure it out and they, which it looks like they're starting to, like this is a team that can go on a deep playoff run. So that's something I'm keeping an eye out on. Uh, Tony, I like how you gave props to Baker because if it weren't for the heroic, like Stroud would have gotten some hype either way. Uh, but I feel like the talk would have been a little bit more on Baker and his performance if they would have squeaked that one out. I mean, like you put up 37, generally that's pretty good, you know? Um, so just some light heroics there. And I mean, props to him, like but Stroud, they put him in a good situation, like the offensive line good enough in pass pro. I don't think their run blocking is that great because I know Damian Fierce hasn't really done a ton singletary either, I don't think. Um but like I remember even in preseason there were some Dolphins beat writers that were saying like Nico Collins and some of these like Texas receivers are the real deal in training camp when the Dolphins had like the preseason matchup with them. Uh so I mean I think they're kind of putting CJ in a in a good spot with scheme and everything. So props to him. The Josh Dobbs performance has to be one of the most insane performances of all time. Like the dude took zero reps in practice. There's video of him on the sideline with the offensive line practicing his cadence because they don't know. Like they're literally working on this like right before they walk out on the field together. And then you've got the head coach that is calling the play and then is basically having to explain to him what the play is. And Josh Dobbs said it was like taking AP Spanish all year and then having an AP French exam uh, or then finding out something like that, which is like such a valid comparison for a, a rocket scientist. But like that, it's such an insane performance. Hey, dude, like as little preparation, it's like, oh, it's almost like Baker when he got traded to the Rams last year, but at least Baker got like a day or two of practice or something and had loose familiarity with the team or something like that. Like it's got to like, maybe at some point we'll talk about coaches on the hot seat, but it's like, how is Arthur Smith not on the hot seat? It's like his entire team is... Like, they have so many talented players, and it's like his whole, like, shtick is to get it to random people. There is there is no reason, I don't want to get too worked up on this, but there is no reason that Jonu Smith should have just as many carries in the red zone or within the five-yard line as B. John Robinson. It makes zero sense. Uh, but I, uh, I digress. I won't get into it any more than that. Uh, Eagles, big win against the Cowboys, divisional game. Bengals, 
Burrow looks like he's all the way back. They look like the Bengals of old, I think. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Jets game, Jets stink. I, like Zach Wilson, I feel like kind of overhated. I don't think he's as, I mean, he's pretty bad. But some people talk about him like he's worse than I think he actually is. I think he had a bad game. He's been better. I think it was, I don't know, I, I saw if somebody said that, like, they asked Sala about finding a different quarterback, and he's just kind of like, no. Like, I, I think they're just riding with Zach, which is crazy because I saw Aaron Rodgers after the game, the Chargers players, like, when are you coming back? And Rodgers is like, yeah, give me a couple weeks. Like, if that happens, that'll be insane. If that even happens, uh, it will be insane. Like, never done before. It will be, like, truly insane. Also, Carson Wentz gets signed to a backup gig, right, with the Rams now. He got rid of uh, Ripian or whatever. So, uh, I don't know if that means that there's injury concern, like long-term concern with Stafford, um, or what, what the deal is with that one. But uh, good on him. I feel like Wentz can be a pretty solid uh, backup at this point in his career. So, sorry if I rambled, but that's my recap no you guys first of all Tony and Josh she I hate you both you guys are taking everything that I wanted to say for my reactions so you know we'll start we'll start it out I'll just reiterate what you guys are saying CJ Shroud unbelievable performance um just looking at the differences between these targets like Josh you mentioned the explosiveness explosiveness from this Texans offense you have Guys like Noah Brown coming out of nowhere. He's really fast, can catch the ball. He showed his explosiveness on the touchdown he scored, you know, going, I think, from the sideline, just sprinting right back up into the end zone. Um, that takes an incredible, incredible talent and speed. Um, then you have a fast tight end, Dalton Schultz, 10 catches, 130 yards and a touchdown. And then Tate Dell, oh my gosh, a, a guy that's just blowing defenses away with his speed, his catching ability, everything. And then you have the number one guy, Nico Collins, um, who gets into the end zone and has been a pivotal part of their offense. And then you compare what the Texans have to what the uh, Buccaneers have. And obviously you're capping off everything that the Texans have with C.J. Stroud, a young guy that can move, that can work the pocket, and that's lethal as a, um, a pocket passer that I'm starting to now realize. You go to the other side with the Buccaneers, you have Rashad White, kind of a... Um, possession running back with a lot of power he's elusive he got a couple touchdowns but then you have mike evans kate otten chris godwin these aren't guys that that have a lot of explosiveness but they're still able to put up a lot of points this is what made this game so incredibly intriguing and i think that brings up my other point with baker mayfield and how impressive he has been not just this this game but kind of the entire year you, you know you can might maybe take away a couple games where he didn't have the best of performances but he is looking good and he's making me look really stupid for questioning first of all questioning the Buccaneers going into the year with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback and um, also just Baker Mayfield as a performer you know as a quarterback he's looking really good he was just as accurate as CJ Shroud uh, obviously less yardage and touchdowns but um, he was able to manage the game. He was able to put 37 points up. That's nothing to, you know, look away from. That's something to be impressed with. And with the weapons he has that are a little bit slower but more possessive, he was able to get get it done. So um, a lot of props needs to go with Baker Mayfield as well. He's having a great year, and he's proven me wrong. So 
Um, good for him. And then, like you said, Josh, are the Ravens contenders here? That's what I wrote down. Are the Ravens contenders? They are looking really good, specifically at home. Um, they had that weird, weird lost Steelers. Man, that was, if you look back at that now, you're kind of like, how did that happen? Uh, but yeah, the Ravens are for real, I think. Um, they're going to be uh, around for a long time. So um, with that core they have. Um, and then the Raiders players buying into um, the new head coach. I'm trying to figure out uh, his name real quick. A uh, new head coach, something Pierce. Antonio. Um, Antonio Pierce. Um, I was watching a Mike Duff, Devante Adams uh, video today, and he was on the sideline. He was saying that he's never been in a situation like this, but he's bought in because of what Antonio Pierce is um, saying to the team and how he's presenting himself to the team. He's not just saying it, he's showing these players, uh, you know, how to lead a team. And players are buying in. So I don't know if the Raiders are anything. I'm not saying they're anything. I'm just saying this coach is – I think he's buying this lot. He's – he's. I think he's getting these players to buy in, and that's all you need. And I think he can get the that, that coaching gig full-time next year if he continues this. So uh, we'll see. But that's all I had, Parker. Any Any thoughts away from your Chicago Bears? Um, actually, no, that's actually who I'm going to talk about uh, right now. Um, I just would like to, I mean, now that you're, you're bringing up the Raiders, uh, they, they, they fired their head coach after just a three or in four start or a three and five start or whatever their, their start was. They weren't, they weren't that bad. Right. Meanwhile, over in Chicago, five and 21, five and 21, and they have yet to make a move and they're so confident. Like I said, all it takes is a chance. Get it to someone else, whether they think that they're a head coaching candidate or not. Everyone keeps saying, oh, we don't have one on the team. Did they really think that Antonio Pierce was going to be head coaching this team at some point this year? Probably not. But look at them. They they bought into the guy, and they want to play for him. In, in Chicago, they you see a, a guy who has no emotion, doesn't care. Cheers when they're down by by two plus touchdowns on the sideline. Like I, I'm getting real sick of seeing that. Uh, the Chicago Cubs they fired their uh, their general or manager, whatever you want to call it, too, and they brought in a different guy um, because of the the struggling that was last season for them. And you know, I just want to say, Chicago, take some fucking notes, please. Fire these guys. Fire these clouds. They obviously are not getting the job done. And they're lying to the media week in and week out. So they've really, they've just got to go. That's all I got. And I did, I did hear that press conference with that Justin Fields question. So that was, that was interesting to hear. He was like answering them, but then he was like backtracking and say something else. But, um, Parker, can we stay with you, buddy? We got to do some news. <laughs> Don't get too in it over this, buddy. We still got to do some news. Yeah, I guess we can talk about some news. So like we had talked about, um, uh, Daniel Jones towards ACL. He's going to be out for the season. Uh, however much money they paid him, uh, just a wasted investment. Obviously, we knew that before he signed it, but uh, they still went through. I don't know. Donatel. Donatel. He did it for him. Um uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, this guy, I don't know why he's even feeling like this, but he says that he that it that it hits hard for him getting benched. Um, I don't know why he would think that when he's he, the lack of play that he's been uh, playing with the past, I don't know, a couple little while now. But um, 
JC Jackson, um, he is not expected to travel with the Patriots to Germany. I don't know if he's played um, in the team since uh, being acquired, but I don't know if he's like dealing with some kind of uh, uh, kind of mental issues in his head. But I, th- I think that that is uh, the case. Um, looks like James Connors going to be coming back from the IR for the uh, meaningless um, Atlanta or uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, as we we mentioned, Justin Fields obviously not going to be uh, coming back. Um, let's see here. Um, I got some good comments uh, from my boy uh, Roquan Smith calling it what it is. I don't know if you guys seen that, but uh, X Bear, uh, X Bear, keep that in mind, uh, was on the team at one point, meaning that we could have signed him. Uh, Roquan Smith uh, says my uh, that he. He's so happy to be on a team where he feels like he's playing for something and uh, his career is not going down the drain. And that's what, really what he said, down the drain. And uh, if that doesn't speak to just how just God-awful and God-forsaken that this team is, uh, you know, that says it all right there. Former player that loved playing for the team uh, is happy to be God because he knows that his team is going to be going uh, you know, down the hill. And um, I will bring up the uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, comments here. Um, now, you can see a, a Rob's picture right there was the Bears. Uh, but right now, if you looked up and looked at it, uh, the underneath of that, uh, there'd be the, uh, the Ocean Gate sub underneath uh, the water. But um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he was just joking um, when he said that he's going to return in a couple weeks. I know, I think everyone kind of thought he was I mean I thought he was joking too because obviously when you turn your ACL you can't come back to play two three months later so um, I would really not be shocked if he was out really the whole year and maybe came back for a playoffs or something like that but I think it would be really really hard uh, for him to come back uh, Martavius Bryant uh, former uh, receiver in the NFL is going to be returning to the NFL and of course he's going to be signed with the Cowboys. Um, they sign every player that is cast away from the league and then brought back, and so they'll uh, they'll be signing uh, Martavius Bryant. Um, Cardinals Kyler Murray going to be activated from the pup list, but uh, he's still not going to be starting. I don't believe, but he's going to be coming back um, pretty soon here. Um, and uh, some cool. Uh, news from Houston as well. Just good things from Houston where they put their players in good positions to win, unlike some other teams. Uh, they have a, a good story coming out from their kicker getting hurt. Um, it was, I think it was a some kind of, I don't know if he was a running back or something, but he, he went out and made a, a kick to, I think he won the game. Did he make the game-winning kick or something? I don't know what he did. But he, he made a field goal. In the game, uh, and it looked uh, pretty cool to see a number 33 kicking the ball uh, and then making it. Some Chad Ochoacinco, uh type shit there. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, is going to be signing from the area. He's going to be signing with uh, the Rams, as uh, Josh mentioned earlier. So uh, that'll just go to add to his ever-growing collection of uh, team memorabilia that he'll uh, practice with during the offseason. He'll probably add maybe a yellow pair of cleats to you know, go with that whole outfit that he had. But, um, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I got. Uh, haven't really gotten any other kind of entry news, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything else is out there. Um, 
Awesome Thanksgiving. That's always fun. Um, moving on, we will talk about the Week 10 schedule. Parker, we have the Bears. Man, did you, can we stop talking about this for freaking... It's been like 10 minutes now I've been talking here. Good God. You can blame um, the anyway. schedule makers for this. Uh, blame the schedule makers for putting us on primetime so many times. They know that we're going to be bad. You know, there's there's no doubt in my mind that the Panthers are going to win this game. Um, we're going to go with the Panthers. I don't even know what the line is or anything like that, but I just hope Chicago loses so then they can go to the media and they can say, you know, how does it feel to lose to a 1-6 uh, to 1-7 team uh, after being so confident? And, you know, we can hear him come up with some kind of excuse and some kind of lackadaisical lie like he always comes up with. Uh, but, you know, we're getting to some El Presidor Brown's level of, of animosity towards this team. So, you know, I don't even got to I don't even got to say it anymore, but we're going to be picking against the Bears like every time this season. So we're going to go with the uh, Carolina. Fair enough. Uh, the spread, Tony, is Bears three and a half and older with their orange jerseys. Yay. Uh, I'll I'll take uh, who we lost every single time that we won, by the way. Ooh, uh, I'll take the Bears at home minus three and a half. How about you, Josh? Give me the Bears in the DJ Moore return game. Oh, with your boys, let's go Bears. I don't know you do Harker. You watch the whole last I I do not choose to watch that game now. <laughs> uh, moving on. We have another game in Germany. On and off, it's the Patriots and the Colts. Germany, Tony. The Colts, I favorite to win by one and a half. You know, just a, a little side note. I, I hope they bring that uh, same official back. I, I want to hear them say "Feel start again." So that's kind of funny. Uh, I'll take, I'll take the Patriots to be honest in this one plus one and a half. I just didn't like how the Colts kind of finished the game off last week, and maybe that carries over. So I'll take the Patriots. How about you, Josh? Man, the Patriots just lost to the Commanders, though, dude. Like, they are not good. Uh, There's also, I saw rumors, which, again, rumors. Somebody said that Belichick could be done after the Frankfurt games if they they don't look great. I thought they just extended him, though, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't think so. That, That confused me just as much as it's confusing you, buddy. I don't know. Yeah, so that's definitely odd, but I don't... I don't think teams really care about extensions anymore. Obviously, the Raiders just signed a coach to a mass to deal and fire him after like five games. And they've been doing that. They they owe their, their last coach, too. I'm going to take the Colts, I guess. I mean, they're the road team, but like both teams are kind of the road team, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You know, I like to see hell get hotter. Let's take the Colts. I think they're actually, like, you know, decent enough. Tony, did you take the Colts as well? Sorry, I think I missed your pick. I did not. I'm taking the Patriots. Belichick. Yeah, uh, Barco, who you got here? Colts or Patriots? I'm going to take the Colts. Um, I think that uh, there was that video. I don't know if you guys seen that video of the, of, uh, the owner, Kraft, and I don't know if it was his son, sitting there, but uh, he said, like, we're not good enough or something like that. So uh, they're they're really not. So uh, I'm going to take the call. 
Perfect. Uh, moving on, we're back in America. We're back with the Sunday uh, 12 o'clock slate. We have the Bengals hosting the Texans, Tony. Right now, the Bengals are favored to win by a touchdown and an extra point at home. Oh, see. You know, it makes me really appreciate the uh, defensive performance that we had this past week because we're going to need it. Um, we talked about it just a little bit ago, that Texans offense really clicking. Um, it's going to be tough to slow down CJ. Um, so, that's kind of the biggest thing and just trying to keep the uh, the offense in rhythm and kind of have a really good uh, – kind of get off to a good start because that usually is – I mean, every team kind of does that, but, you know, it's very imperative to kind of get off to a good start, kind of have control of the game and kind of just go from there. So, obviously, I'll take the Bengals minus seven. Um, I will not be wearing any Bengals apparel for that game, so hopefully we go to 6-0 and without it, but it could be a toss-up. I mean, it really could be. How about you, Josh? Well, now that I know you're not wearing any Bengals gear, I'll take the Bengals minus the seven, seven and a half, whatever it is. I'm I'm basing my picks for the rest of the year with your clothing choices, Tony. Um, I'm taking the Bengals um, at home. Marco, you got somebody without a shirt. I'm going to go with the Texans in this one. I think C.J. Stroud, the best Ohio State quarterback ever, uh, he's going to be leading the way. Perfect. Okay, so we are not the same with this one. Um, moving on, we have the Saints coming to town, uh, the U.S. Bank to face the Vikings. I can start things off here. Um, a lot of voodoo uh, went on with uh, last week's game with the whole Dobbs thing coming in. Um, with a whole week to prepare, I think Saints, they have a really good defense. I'm not sure if Darisol plays, but regardless, they will pressure us a ton. Kind of, this just kind of reminded me of that week one game where the Buccaneers kind of stomped all over our uh, front seven. I'm going to take the Saints on the road. Uh, they're better in the trenches, and I just think they make some plays. I think they counter our blitzing um, attacks. Derek Carr is really not that good against the blitz, so I think he might be in for a couple of really bad, bad-looking plays, especially if we send the all-out blitz. But I think they will counter um, us with those blitzes, and I think the Saints will um, get the win on the road. It is Saints by two and a half, Tony, on the road. I think I'm going to take uh, Nolens in this one. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of think that they're going to find a way on the, on the, on the road. Oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Vikings at home. I am so sorry. What is going on with my brain right now? Yikers. Uh, I'll take Vikings plus two and a half. Sorry. Sorry. Justin, um, Josh, what you got? I think I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I feel like the Dobbs story was cool uh i think he'll hit uh, like a bit of a roadblock at some point i think he'll be fine long term but i think this is a pretty good saints defense as well uh arguably better than atlanta's in my opinion so i'm gonna take the saints in this one and yeah um i think i'm gonna be rolling with the man this is a tough one because You've got a really inept Saints team, which I don't trust at all, but like also I don't trust Dobbs either. So with that being the case, I think I, I think I'll take I'll take the Saints. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we don't follow up miracle games with good performances. We usually stink those up, so keep that in mind. Um moving on, we have the Steelers hosting the Packers, and right now the Steelers are favored to win by three and a half, over under 39 and a half points. Not a lot, Tony. Very true. Yeah, they feel like this game's going to be pretty low scoring, and I wouldn't blame them. 
Uh, I'll take the Steelers at home with that uh, defense of Pittsburgh minus three and a half. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm taking the Steelers in this one. Yeah, I I will as well. Uh, not a lot of good stuff happening in Green Bay. Park Row, you got? Yeah, definitely not going to pick Green Bay. They, they are not looking too good. We have the anti-Packer. Yeah, guys, sweep. Uh, right. And we have the Titans visiting Tampa Bay. And right now, this is kind of a pick for them. Um, three and five versus three and five. Uh, right now, Tampa Bay at home is favored to, to win by one point, Tori. I think uh, I'll take the Buccaneers. I think the Titans kind of uh, were on to something a little bit defensively last week. And the, the Buccaneers offensively were on something or onto something. So I, I think both teams could kind of build off of those. But I'll take the Buccaneers at home. How about you, Josh? I'm with you. It's basically a pick em, so I'm just going to go with the home team in this one. I'll take the Buccaneers. Yeah, still a lot of inexperience um, for Will Levis. I'm going to take the Buccaneers, who are still kind of in the thick of things. Uh, Barco, we got. Yeah, I'll take the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks as well. Uh, perfect. And uh, also, before we hit the other game, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Eagles are all on buys, so. Uh, it's up there. And then the next game we have on tap here is the Niners, uh, fresh off a of bye, visiting the Jaguars, who are also fresh off a of bye, I believe. Um, the Jaguars right now are actually all underdogs. Tony, right now, the San Francisco 49ers are favored to win by a field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think this game just means a little bit more to the 49ers because of their three-game losing streak. I would not be surprised if the Jaguars won, but I'll, uh, I'll take the 49ers on the road to kind of right this ship. Minus three. How about you, Josh? Man, this is a tricky one for me because, like, right. both of these teams are coming off of a box, right? Mm-hmm. Man, that's tough. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the 49ers. I feel like that's what my brain is telling me. Like, my heart, I kind of want to. Like, pick Trevor and Ethan, you know, but, like, I feel like my brain says 49ers. Uh, I think we're in for a really good game, to be honest, but I think the Niners edge them out, man. I think they're kind of playing, they're going to be playing desperate football here coming up. Uh, Barkley, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners as well. Uh, perfect. Moving on, we have... Um, a repeat of this division matchup um, earlier in the year. I think the Browns were without their starting quarterback uh, and they were starting Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, that did not go well for them against the Ravens. Now uh, they will have their revenge opportunity. It will be on the road at Philly. The Ravens at home uh, getting six against the Browns. Who do you got? I'll, uh, I'll take Baltimore with the minus six. I'll be Josh. Um, man, honestly, um, is is Watson playing? Like, I feel like I think so. Like we have to ask every week. I'm surprised he didn't check it out because he's playing a good team. But I'm I'm gonna take the Browns in this one. Like, ooh, I feel like this this division. I just feel like all of their games are within like four points, and, and so I like. It's tough for me because I just saw the Ravens absolutely murk the Seahawks, but the Browns also put up a shutout. So 
I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the, the Browns plus six. I just feel like it'll be a close game regardless. You think they upset on the road, Josh? That's the real question. I don't... I mean, at plus six... Honestly, no. Like, I feel like the Ravens probably squeak out a like a field goal win or something. Well, scratch that. If the Ravens win, it'll be by like a field goal. It'll be a close one. If Cleveland wins, I think it'll be about like a touchdown. I think Cleveland will win by more if they win. Yeah, I I just don't trust the Browns, man. I like their defense. I I really do, but the Ravens kind of got gave it to them a little bit. I, I mean, the la- the last time they played, I think it was twenty eight to three. So the Ravens have the recipe to beat a Browns defense that's good, and they're at home. I'm not going to take any risks with this one, Parker. I'm taking the Ravens. Who you got? I'm going to be uh, rolling with the Ravens as well. Uh, perfect. And uh, Parker, I'm not sure if you said this. You may have uh, already. But um, next up, we have the Cardinals, who will have Kyler Murray back um, at home to face the Falcons and Arthur Smith and his great media sessions he has every week. No, well, I actually said that that he was getting activated, but I didn't say I didn't I didn't know if he was playing or not. So he is playing. Yeah, he is getting the nod. They're back and I think this is kind of uh, affecting the spread a little bit Tony right now. They have Atlanta uh on the road um being favored by one and a half. I think I think I'll take the Falcons in this one. Um I think Kyler will maybe if he is starting. I think it might take him a little bit to kind of wrinkle out the, straighten out the wrinkles. So I'll take the the Falcons in this one minus one and a half. How about you, Josh? And I think I'm gonna take the Cardinals in this one. Maybe I just really don't like Arthur Smith, but I feel like I, I do worry that Kyler's gonna show some rust. But I think overall, I I kind of trust the Cardinals with Kyler. Uh, more, which is not much more. I don't really like that either way, but I guess, yeah, I'll take the Cardinals. I'm with you, Josh. I think Kyler is going to show a little bit um, uh, because I think, I don't know, they they might be in a situation where they uh, might be needing a quarterback if it doesn't work out for Kyler. I think Kyler shows out, man. I think he's a good quarterback uh, in kind of a weird system the last couple of years. We'll see if this system now in Arizona who has showing you know success with some of these other quarterbacks not Clayton Dune take his name out of the equation uh you're talking uh Josh Dobbs really who succeeded in that system I think it's a quarterback friendly um, situation for for Kyler with his skill set I'll take the Cardinals to win the game Parker what you got um I mean their their record is that for a reason I think even if they had um even if they had Kyler this whole season I don't think they would be that, like that great so I, I think I'm going to take the, the uh Falcons even though they're like really bad as well. Perfect. Yeah. Um. Uh. Next up, we have another three. Ah, uh, this is a second three o'clock game. Actually, we have the Lions on the road, um, facing the Chargers. The four four Chargers. Tony. Uh. Detroit is getting three on the road. I I will take Detroit minus three. How about you, Josh? I think I'll take Detroit as well. Yeah, I will as well. Barker, you got. Uh, Detroit after that uh, puntathon game. Uh. The other night. Yeah, that is fair. And oh boy, uh, oh, uh, we have the Cowboys next up hosting the Giants, who will be without their 
starting quarterback Daniel Jones. They will be, I think, starting Tommy DeVito, maybe Matt Barkley, who knows. No, uh, Tommy DeVito. Brian Brian Dable officially announced that it's going to be Tommy. Going to be Tommy Boy. He's going to be on the road, and he's going to be facing an uphill battle as the Cowboys are favored to win by 16 points, Tony. Oh. You know, it's weird. I thought his dad, Danny DeBito, was going to be starting, but uh, this is uh, this is the America's Game of the Week. Uh, oh boy, perfect bliss right here for your three o'clock uh, football fans. Um, I'll take <laughs> I'll take Dallas by twenty. Uh, yeah, but you, Josh, I'm taking Dallas as well. I'm taking the Giants. I'm just kidding. I'm taking the Cowboys. Mark, going to be <laughs> Yeah, there's no chance uh, that that anyone is taking you know, the Giants in this one. There is no possible way the Giants could lose this. Let's just I'm just trying to set it up for them. Maybe uh, we have the Combies visiting the Seahawks. Tony, uh, right now Seattle started with my six and a half. That holds. Yes, uh, we definitely saw a really really bad performance. I think the Seahawks bounce back at home, so I'll take Seattle minus six and a half. I'll be Josh. I feel like Seahawks fans are starting to almost turn on Geno again. Like, mm-hmm. they're saying, like, oh, this is the old Geno, or, you know, like, it's kind of weird. Um, I'm not saying I buy it, but I'm going to say until I'm just going to assume we're going to get the old Geno until proven otherwise again the rest of the season. So I'll take the Commanders plus six and a half in this one. Uh, yeah, perfect. This game is calling for some, uh, rainy weather, so look out for that. Maybe it might be a run first game. Who knows? I'm not sure how much rain they're going to get, but the weather is not looking so hot there. I am taking Seattle to win, uh, at home. Parker, what you got? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to go with, uh, Seattle. Hey, didn't I pick, uh, the Commanders to beat, um, uh, yeah. the Panthers last week? Uh, you did, and you were the only one who got it right. I bought it because it suck. That is right, buddy. That is right. Um, talk about suck. I mean, I mean, what a great matchup this is going to be. We have the Jets traveling to Vegas to face the Raiders. Man, I have never seen a line like this. Oh my goodness! So first of all, over under thirty six and a half. Yeah, we've seen that a couple times. But we have the Jets on the road being favorited to win by half a point. Point five, Tony. Half a point. Oh my AFC god. AFC championship. Here we come. Right? Absolutely. Uh I'll take I think I'm gonna take the Raiders at home. So I'll take uh Las Vegas plus zero point five. Uh that feels weird to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll take the Raiders. How about you, Josh? I'm gonna take the Jets in this one, dude. Uh, I feel like Aiden O'Connell. Like, solid, but I think that Jets defense is going to be too much for him. And I think Zach Wilson had a rough game last week. I think he'll be able to do just enough that uh, I think they can win by half a point. Yeah, man. I mean, the Raiders beat up on the Giants. I think that was kind of a get-right game for them, but then they're now facing a top defense just Played really, really good. I mean, that's probably something I should have brought up. They really stifled a lot of these really good quarterbacks in the league. And Aiden O'Connell's next up, and I think the Jets are probably going to try some. Barco, he got. Um, I think that 
that when you get a team that's willing to to to, to sacrifice their bodies to land the line for their head coach, that you just kind of play with a little bit more like energy. And you have a team in the Jets where it's slowly falling apart each week. Um, players in the locker room uh, getting upset. Uh, Gardner pretty much saying everything about calling out the offense without really calling out the offense. Um, but uh, with that being said, I'm going to take the Raiders. The the new the new Las Vegas. Just the win, baby, is back. Uh, we have an, uh, what did that matchup? An intriguing one because the Broncos are fresh off a bye. They're going to be visiting the Bills. And right now, Tony, the Bills are favored to win at home by seven and a half. Ooh. I will take the Bills. Got to clean up some stuff, but I'll take the Bills minus seven and a half. How about you, Josh? I'm taking the Bills as well. Me too, Parker. Bills. Bills all the way. Yeah, guys. Sweep. Josh, let's talk some fantasy football. All right, sweet. So, a um, couple of uh, waiver wire guys I think you could go after. Uh, next week, I might throw in some, like, trade targets or something like that or guys that I'm piling on the rest of season uh, just because I know, I know, oddly enough, I know in Yahoo leagues, I think the deadline is the 18th. Uh, I don't know when it is for ESPN yet, but I'll probably do something like that next week. This week, we're sticking with the kind of the same old, same old waiver wire report. Um, so for starters, at the quarterback position, I think one of the more obvious ones, in my opinion, is Kyler Murray. I think Kyler can be a very serviceable fantasy quarterback. I worry that he won't be as good as he was before because he won't be as mobile because of his injury. Uh, and those rushing yards are huge for fantasy production. So... Uh, there is some concern there. Overall, I still think he'll be all right. Um, you've also got Sam Howell. I think he's maybe not a guy that I would love, but, you know, okay matchup, I guess, against the Seahawks. And, I mean, he's coming off of a, a decent enough win against the Patriots, right? Um, I think... Like, Howell's ceiling, I feel like, is limited, but his floor is also decent. Like, you know you're going to get 14 points out of him. Uh, and sometimes when you're filling in for quarterbacks on a bye, that's kind of all you can hope for. Uh, if if you really want to take a shot at a little bit more of a higher ceiling, I think you could maybe look into Will Levis. We saw the Buccaneers get into a shootout last week, and so I think there's the potential for this matchup to turn into a shootout as well think Levis has the higher ceiling than Sam Howell also has a lower floor um if you re I, I mean I think you could you could argue for either quarterback in that matchup Baker or uh Levis um I mean I feel like you can throw out uh not really Josh Dobbs if you're desperate I mean he's had some good fantasy performances because again like he can make plays with his legs uh, I think he's actually like ranked fairly decent in uh, I guess in four point passing leagues. Um, he is a he's quarterback. Yeah, he's quarterback ten, so he's a QB one in four point uh touchdown league. So, like I said, I think the the rushing ability is kind of there for Josh Dobbs. Um. And 
give him a little bit more time in the system, I think he can be serviceable, like a plug-and-play guy or a guy on a bye week. Um, at the running back position, we've got Zach Charbonnet. Now, there's kind of two sides to this. On one side, you can look at it and you can say, Charbonnet has outsnapped Kenneth Walker in the past two games. And I feel like this is something that I thought could happen early. And Rob told me I was crazy. This was Kenneth Walker's backfield. Now, Charbonnet has outsnapped Kenneth Walker, or at least more rushing attempts in the past two games. The flip side of that is the Ravens game was a blowout. I don't feel like you can really judge that one. Uh, and at the same time, uh, Charbonnet outsnapping Kenneth Walker still led to a 2.8 fantasy point. So, next to nothing. So, I don't think you can look into it too much. Um, this one, it stains for me to say this one, but uh, Keaton Mitchell, uh, the reason this one stains is because I had to drop him in my main league because of bye weeks and injuries. Uh, I dropped him, and then he popped off for 19 points last week, and I submit a waiver claim, and I was one spot away from getting it back. So I'm, I'm kind of sour about that one. I think he's definitely going to be serviceable. Like, Similar to Charbonnet, but from the other side, the Ravens were up big, so I think he got a lot more touches last week. At the same time, I don't think that's going to be the situation going forward, and Gus Edwards is still getting all of the goal line work as the RB1. Uh, so I wasn't like I'm I'm excited because this is something that I did call like a month or two ago, but I am cautiously optimistic because uh, I feel like he's not there yet i don't want to like it, it it could have been a fluke game now i do think he's got a good chance of taking over the rb2 spot over justice hill so if those guys are both on waivers i would lean towards keaton i think he has the higher upside um i don't know that i would touch deontay foreman i i don't really know who is going to be the rb1 because khalil herbert is coming back from injury you might be able to snag him off of waivers if he didn't get stashed on the IR for whatever reason. I think he's a guy you could look at. The only other two I'll throw out there, Leonard Fournette, I think there's a chance he gets some like goal line work with the Bills at the very least. Um, and so in deeper leagues, I think he could be an option. And Ty Chandler with the Vikings, I feel like uh, with the Cam Akers injury, uh it kind of feels like it's, I guess, like, I mean, is Madison hurt or is he still playing? He's good, right? Yeah, Madison's good. He just hasn't been effective. That's what's that's what the whole problem is with our running game. So I think Madison's going to be the guy, though, regardless. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I guess if you wanted to take a chance, like Chandler's going to be the clear, uh, clear RB2. Uh, with the Acres entry. At the wide receiver position, it's kind of just a take your pick of whichever Texans receiver is available on your waiver wire. Uh, I don't think Nico Collins is available for a lot of people, but Tank Dale, you might have a shot at him. Noah Brown, I think these are guys that you could take a shot at. I'll get into tight ends later, but like Dalton Schultz is probably available in most of your leagues. So, I think all of these guys are decent options. Uh, 
Jahan Dodson, I feel like he is a temporary fix. Uh, I think he he's had a couple of good fantasy performances. I think it's somewhat dependent on the fact that Curtis Samuel got injured. And so I do have some concern that if he comes back from injury, that Dodson's role will regress back to what it was before, and he'll basically fall back into irrelevancy for fantasy purposes. Um, so I think there's some concern there. I threw him out there last week, but I'll bring him up again. Demario Douglas feels like he's he's gonna be the guy kind of for the uh, Patriots, and uh, I think that's really really all I've got. Maybe you can take a shot on a guy like Michael Wilson with the Cardinals. Um, like I don't know. Maybe you could take a shot if you wanted to. Um, and then at the tight end spot, I kind of threw out Dalton Schultz earlier. Um, another guy that I went after recently, uh, Taysom Hill. I feel like he's he's had a couple of fantasy weeks now where he's actually been pretty solid. And the fact that you have a tight end that can basically play quarterback, running back, and tight end, it like it gives you the potential for scoring from three positions basically and it's not cheating but it almost feels like it is because it's almost like a super flex you know like you 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 can play two quarterbacks almost in a way so i think he's probably one of the top guys i would go after uh, just because like it feels like he's a boom bust similar to last year where he's going to give you three or 20 but the only other tight ends in the league that are going to give you 20 are the elites, the Kelsey's, the Mark Andrews. So, um, Taysom Hill, Dalton Schultz. And for the most part, that's, that's kind of it really. Like I'm not taking a shot on John Smith, you know, like I know he gets more work than Kyle Pitts for whatever reason, but like, I'm not taking a shot on him. Maybe I go after Kate Otten with the Buccaneers. That's, really about it again tight ends are usually whoever falls into the end zone you kind of get lucky with tight end production for the week so it's really kind of only two this week with Taysom Hill and Dalton Schultz like maybe Kate Otten like I guess you could throw out like a Gerald Everett but I feel like Donald Parham's had pretty good production for the Chargers so it's tough to say there so but not a lot from the tight end position this week but uh that's yeah that's that's some of the waiver wire guys I'm looking at. Perfect. Well, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it, boys. Um, I want everybody to enjoy tomorrow's game, including you, Parker. Um, we have a great game on tap, but we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Have a good one.